Who's excited to be in the house of God today? Oh, y'all ain't ready for the word. Come on. Can somebody give the Lord a shout of praise? Amen. Amen. Thank you, 316 Church. I'm so happy to have you all here. If you are a first-time guest, I just want to say thank you. We are so honored to have you in the house with us today. Uh, remember to pick up your gift right back at the Connection Hub. We, we have something special for you. And thank you for joining us online. If you're live streaming with us today, amen. We are in the Power Series. And today we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4. So if you want to open your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, the power series. I cannot believe, are we, we're what, in, in uh, part 7, I believe. Maybe part, is it part 7? I lost track. It's a 12-part sermon series. And we've gone through the power of the resurrection, the power of giving, the power of prayer. We did the power of influence. Now we are in the power of grace. Ooh, this one's going to be good. I don't know if you're ready for this one. Ephesians 2 is going to give us insight into the power of grace. So read with me, whether in your Bibles or your version Bible apps. It says this in verse 4, Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Somebody say alive. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace. Somebody say grace. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace, somebody say grace, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works. Oh, that's, that's good. Come on, somebody. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handy. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Amen. This, these, these verses are loaded, and we are going to dive in deep today. So I hope that you are ready to take notes and let God minister to your hearts today. Join with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your wonderful grace. Thank you for your love. Lord, today we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we open up our spirits. Lord Jesus, transform us, change us, Lord God. Lord God, we're here to receive your word. And so today I pray that you administer to us. Lord, let these words be your words and not mine. In your name we pray. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about God's grace. I think that so often we think that God is only interested in the good people. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We think that God is only interested in good people. You know, the people that have it all together, <laughs> the people that never mess up, the people who never give into temptation, right? Those are the people 
that, that God wants to extend his grace to. Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> Sometimes we get into that mentality. You see, if your performance is good enough, then maybe you can expect God's goodness. But if you get off course, if you ever have doubts, if you ever mess up in your life, God says, no, 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 too bad. It's your fault. I I want nothing to do with you. These are lies from the enemy, am I right? This is not what scripture says. You see, when you blow it, when you mess up, I I want you to know this today, that God doesn't turn away from you. He turns towards you. But when you mess up, when you make mistakes, when you are imperfect, God doesn't say, I don't want anything to do with you. In fact, he says the opposite. He he says, my grace is sufficient for you. You you see, Jesus actually tells this parable of a hundred sheep and one of them went astray. The shepherd left the 99 to pursue the one that got away. What is this? This is God's grace saying, I'm not turning away from you. I'm going for you. I'm looking for you. I am pursuing you. This is God's grace in action. And you might say, but Pastor Randall, Shauna, I mess up all the time. I'm imperfect. God can't use me. You don't know what my past looks like. I I even have my own doubts. God wouldn't choose to use someone like me. Maybe that's what you're thinking today. But I want to remind you that over half of the New Testament was written by somebody named Paul. And at one time, this man was named Saul, and he hated Christians. He hated Christians. Saul was his name at first, and he was the main enemy of the church. You know this story? Saul, the main enemy of the church, persecuting Christians. He had believers put in prison. If you were a Christ follower, he was persecuting you. But we know the story. One day, on his way to Damascus, what happened? An angel appeared, this bright light. Jesus shone down and, and, and Saul actually landed flat on his back. And Jesus actually looks at him and he says, Saul, why do you keep persecuting me? And, and to make a long story short, Saul then became the apostle Paul and wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. What happened? Grace found Paul. Grace found him. Grace pursued this man. And I want to tell you today, don't ever write anyone off. Your friends or your family might be making bad decisions, and you might think, well, there's no way that they will ever fulfill their destiny. There's no way that they're ever going to turn their life around. But that's not what God says. You might write them off, but God doesn't write them off. God actually says, my grace is sufficient. I will pursue my children. I will pursue you with my love and my mercy and my forgiveness. If God can change Saul, the greatest enemy of the church, and turn him into Paul, the greatest asset of the church, then imagine what God can do in your life. Don't ever discount what God can do in your life. I think that too many times we write people off because 
we begin comparing their mistakes to ours. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? We begin comparing. Like, like you know, like th- the way that they mess up is the way they mess up. And it's not as bad as the way I mess up. <laughs> so even though they mess up, mine isn't as bad. So, so let's be honest. We can say maybe I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes, but that person, they're more imperfect than me. They're more imperfect. They've, they've messed up worse than me. And, and somehow, I think even as Christians, sometimes we get into this bad habit. We, we tend to become the measuring stick of God's goodness. That's dangerous. Somehow we feel like God has chosen me to be the measuring stick, to, to take the temperature, to be the gauge for how, how all other human beings are viewed by God. This is absolutely da- dangerous. This is the kind of things that we don't really talk about in church. But some of y'all, I'm just going to say it like this, some of y'all came to church because you think that going to church actually makes you a better person than someone else. I think that some of us, we, we get caught in comparing ourselves to our friend, to our coworker, and we say, they mess up much worse. Look at me. I'm in church. I did my hair. I'm in my Sunday best. And, and my coworker, they went out last night. They were up till three, and they're probably still sleeping right now. They were out all night. But look at me. I'm in church, and, and somehow... We, we did all of that thinking that our mere presence in a church would make us a better person. That our mere presence, because you didn't worship today, but our mere presence is what makes us a good person. I'm going to tell you, sometimes that's a dangerous trap that we don't talk about in church, right? Like we're not supposed to say those kind of things. But how many of you know that sometimes we get into this mode We get into this mindset that if I can just do the right things, if I can just earn God's favor, if I can just earn God's grace and forgiveness, if I can show up when I need to show up and say the things that I need to say when I need to say them, that maybe God will look at me and say, you're a good person. You've earned my grace. But how many of you know that's further from the truth than anything? Is that we don't earn God's grace. It's freely given. Because I'm going to tell you, growing up, I thought I'd show up on Sundays. I thought I'd just have all of this Bible knowledge, right? And I, was, I thought I was pretty smart. Uh, maybe I would pray big prayers and I would, I would pray fancy prayers in front of everybody. Okay, yeah, I can pray. I can show up when I need to show up. I can raise my hands and I can look around. But what is God looking at at the end of the day? He's looking at my heart. And this is a reflection. Sometimes get into this mode of trying to earn God's grace and God's favor. And I messed up, and maybe you messed up, but I don't mess up as much as they mess up, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? But I don't fall as, as, as far as you do. <laughs> and we start playing this comparison game. Today's definition of grace, and I want you to understand this today, is grace is the amazing, unearned, undeserved kindness and favor of God. Amazing, unearned, undeserved kindness and favor of God. In fact, those are your three points for today. You can pre-fill them out because I want you to learn about grace today. I want you to learn 
grace today. Grace is the amazing, unearned, and undeserved kindness and favor of God. What God spoke to me this week is that his church needs to remember what grace really is. His church really needs to remember and be reminded of what true and real grace is. You see, God spoke to me this week and he said, most people don't understand grace. And I, I was in my prayer time and I said, God, okay, I get it. Most people don't understand grace. Uh, we need to tell the world about your grace. And he goes, wait, 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 that's true, but I'm actually talking about my church. Most of my church doesn't understand my grace. And what a position to be in as God's church, not fully comprehending and understanding and living into the grace of God. God God told me, how many believers came into this house of worship today, but they have a sense of shame, condemnation, and fear of failure? How many people sitting in this room and watching online are performance-oriented and perfection-driven because they don't understand my grace? How many people are watching and, and they, many of us deal with these imperfections on a daily basis and we have anxiety over the things that we can't control and we have depression because we feel like we can never measure up. And this is what's happening in the church is that we don't understand the grace of God, that the grace of God is sufficient for us even in our imperfections. His grace surrounds us. His grace wraps us up. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be sinless. We don't have to be because God says, I, my grace is sufficient. You are forgiven. I have mercy that is unending for you. I think that so many of us have come to church over the years and we're encouraged to serve and we're encouraged to give and we're encouraged to, gr- to go to connect groups and we're encouraged to do all the right things. And those are great. But today I want you to learn about how how we can separate the works that we do for God and the relationship that we have with God. Because we don't have to earn grace. We, We don't have to earn grace. And so your first blank here in the notes is number one is God's grace is amazing. God's grace is amazing. Y'all know the song Amazing Grace. I'm not even gonna sing it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We all know that song. But as I was reflecting on amazing grace, I started looking at that word amazing. What is amazing? What does the word amazing mean? And as you look up the definition, that word is talking about things that are unusual. It's talking about something that doesn't make sense. That word amazing, it's something remarkable, unusual. I think as, in our, as Americans, in our American culture, I think that we tend to be amazed with many things that we see on television. Like, we love to be amazed with talent. Like, how many of you have seen American Ninja Warrior, right? You know what I'm talking about? The, these ninja warriors with, like, this, these amazing abilities. They go through obstacle courses, things that I definitely can't do. And it's entertaining because we are amazed by some of their abilities. Or maybe maybe you turn on the TV, you watch American Idol, 
or America's Got Talent, right? And there's people with amazing singing ability or dancing with the stars, amazing dancing ability or any professional sport, right? Tim Duncan introduced into the Hall of Fame last night. Go Spurs. I was watching his induction ceremony and there I was being reminded of his story didn't touch a basketball really till he was about 14 years old because he was a swimmer. And then, of course, a, a Cat 5 hurricane destroyed his community pool. Then his mother passed away and he decided to play basketball. What an amazing story. When something is amazing, it's not average. When, when, someone, doesn't, when, when someone does something amazing, they're doing something that an average person, person can't do. God's grace is amazing unearned, and undeserved. Can I, get, can I get my order up here, sir? I appreciate that. I ordered something today. Can you join me up here on the stage? Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Oh, and he's wearing a Spurs mask. <laughs> Amen to that. Thank you, sir. I ordered, let's see, these are donuts. And what's your name, sir? Raul. Raul? Raul. Awesome, Raul. Raul, we paid this in full already, right? We paid it in full. Okay, look, these donuts are paid in full. I want everybody to know that. We already put a tip in there as well. So your tip is already paid in full. But let me tell you about what the grace of God does today. Raul, I'm going to say a prayer over you because I want you to know today that there's about 1.5 million people in San Antonio, Texas. You're the one person that God has chosen in this very moment to be on this stage here today. Talk about one in a million chances. This is greater than a one in a million chance that you are standing here today. And I want to let you know that God has a plan for your life, that he's not done with you yet, that he has the plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. I know that there's some times in your life, I believe that God's telling me that there's been times that you've doubted the existence of God, that sometimes you have questions that haven't been answered. But today, by the grace of God, you are standing here today, and God is saying, I am real, and I want to prove it to you because I love you, because I'm going to go out of my way. Jesus tells a parable of a shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one. And today, I believe that God has chosen you to prove himself to you in a powerful way today. Amen. But here's also what the grace of God does. Those donuts were paid in full, but 316 Church wants to give you something above and beyond, extraordinary, something that you don't deserve, something that is far beyond a tip, far beyond anything. This is probably the greatest tip that you've gotten as a delivery driver. It's $200, and I just want to say... This is how the grace of God works. And Raul, I just want to say thank you, and I want to pray a special blessing over you. Can I pray for you in front of everybody? If you would extend your hands. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this man standing here on this stage. You've chosen him. You've orchestrated everything. Out of 1.5 million people here in this city, you've chosen him to be here today on this platform because you are letting him know that you love him. Lord, that your grace is sufficient. 
Lord, thank you, Jesus, for being here today. I pray blessings over his life, over his family, over his job, over his finances, Lord. I pray that you would also reveal yourself to him as he goes. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a good one. You see, these were paid in full. There's something over the top, unusual, extravagant, something unanticipated, something so great that we can never imagine or comprehend. This is just a small fraction, a small portion of the never-ending love and grace of God. Because your salvation, I'm going to tell you, it was paid in full. Your salvation in Jesus Christ was paid in full, just like I paid for those donuts. When I ordered these, I knew that it was paid in full. I knew that, that there was the tip required. I knew, I knew exactly what this would cost. And Jesus paid the price, but he doesn't stop there. Because when we mess up, even when we're undeserving, even when we mess up, even when we're imperfect, God says, my grace is unusual, amazing, extravagant, over the top for my children. And no matter what you're going through today, somebody here I know needs to be reminded of that. Because again, sometimes we can get in our own heads. We can get in our own minds. We don't deserve it. Well, that's exactly why the grace of God is so amazing. Because you don't deserve it. But it's there anyways. When something is amazing, it's not average. When someone does something amazing, they're doing something that an average person can't do. Just like all of those shows I was just talking about, American Ninja Warrior, you got America's Got Talent, you got you know, professional athletes, they're doing something that an average person can't do. But let's take it a, st- a step further. Because with God, sometimes it goes even beyond what they can't do. Because it's something that you wouldn't do. And so sometimes the grace of God, it it reminds me of something that I wouldn't do. There's some things that we just wouldn't do. Am I correct? There's some things that we just wouldn't do. Even if we could do it, we wouldn't. Like skydiving. (laughs) How many of you here have already made the decision, I'm not going skydiving in my lifetime? Like Like you could do it, but you're not going to do it. Does that make sense? Or how many of you have already made a decision, I will never purchase a motorcycle. I, I will never purchase a motorcycle, right? I will never do that. Something that I won't do is I will never own a cat. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Listen, I'm sorry to offend the cat people in the room, but I've already made up my mind. Listen, God bless you, but I personally will never own a cat. Okay, that's just me. Some of us have already made up our mind. We could do something, but we just wouldn't, even if we had the opportunity. There's just some things that we wouldn't even consider. Like, for example, if in the future, if any boy tries to date my two daughters, it's not happening. Not only no, but not a chance. There's just some, some things that I wouldn't do. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top. 
There's some things that maybe we could forgive, but we're not going to forgive. Maybe there's some things that we could show mercy and grace to someone in our life, but they've gone from a forgivable offense to an unforgivable offense in our view. Like, I've shown grace to you for the very last time. We could forgive them, but we don't forgive them. Because that's just the thing about God's grace. It's amazing. It's unusual. It doesn't make sense. It's remarkable. It's absolutely, incredibly amazing. And I find it interesting how we can be amazed of these human athletes and people who can sing well and dance well. And we can be amazed and we can be caught in amazement for the things that they do. But sometimes we take for granted the amazing, unusual grace of God. Because no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. You cannot outrun the grace of God. You're never too far gone from God's love and from God's grace. No matter how you messed up in the past, no matter what mistakes you've made, God's grace doesn't turn away from you. It turns towards you. This is the grace of God. Grace is the amazing, unearned, undeserved kindness and favor of God. And number two, we're going to talk about how God's grace is unearned. It's unearned. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. So how have you been saved? By grace. And this is not from yourselves. Meaning, you don't have to grace yourselves. God graces you for you. The grace doesn't come from you. You are not the source of grace. God is the source of grace. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. How many of you received a gift from somebody? If it is a gift, if it is truly a gift, you don't have to earn it. It is given to you. All you have to do, it's not rocket science, is you just have to receive the gift. That's what a true gift is. If you had to do something for that gift, it's not a gift. It's not categorized as a gift at all. This is the gift of God. Verse 9, this is key right here. Not by works. Not by works. You can't earn the grace of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Mm. You see, there's nothing that I can say. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can do to achieve. There's nothing that I can, there's no way that I can earn God's grace. There's no way. Many of us are earners. Many of us are achievers. Many of us are performance-driven individuals. How many of you maybe find yourself in that category? Maybe not in your walk with God. Maybe in your walk with God. Maybe that needs to be corrected, but maybe in life. How many of you would consider yourselves a high achiever, right? I want to achieve. I want to push, push myself further. I want to go farther than anyone in my industry, than anyone in my department. In fact, our culture is so performance-driven, and our culture is literally bent around the idea that you've got to earn in order to get. 
Does that make sense? So like income, let's say you're hourly. The more that you work, the more that you earn. Makes sense? You have to work to earn. Or, or maybe your salary. Well, maybe you have a, a set monthly income, but you've earned it through maybe a job interview. Maybe you've earned it through your resume or your schooling or your experience or your hard work and dedication. I don't know how you earned that salary, but there's some qualifications that usually come before you're eligible for the salary. Income is earned, whether it's hourly or salary. If you didn't perform at all, if you didn't show up to work at all, it don't matter if you're hourly or salary, you are fired. (laughs) Income is earned. Or maybe we look at friendships and we can say that in order to be my friend, uh, we've got to earn each other's trust. Or maybe you're in a relationship and we say, well, we've got to prove our love for each other before we take our next step into being engaged or being married, I have to prove myself. They have to prove themselves. We have to earn, in a way, love for another person even. Many times, this is how relationships, friendships, our jobs, our world, our culture is performance-driven, where we have to earn, where we have to work. And so, this is why so many people get it wrong. This is why so many people get it wrong. How can we live in a performance-based, earning, achievement-based culture, and then also receive something that's completely free. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding how to live in Christ, how to live in His sacrifice. Sometimes we have a hard time because we're so used to stepping into our own world with the way things work in our kingdoms that when we step into God's kingdom, sometimes things don't really make that much sense. God's kingdom is so opposite. It's so completely different that we have to reframe our minds. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Romans 12 2, that we have to Love the Lord our God with all our hearts, our mind, our soul, our strength to understand the depths of his love, of his grace, of his forgiveness. And this is what is so amazing about God's grace is that it doesn't require performance. God doesn't ask you to earn his grace. He just asks you to receive it. Grace is amazing, unearned, undeserved kindness and favor of God. Number three, God's grace is undeserved. God's grace is undeserved. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I wish God would just give people what they deserve. (laughs) So we look at others and we say, it's not fair, God. Don't you see how hard I'm working? And that other person, they don't work as hard as me, yet they got that job, yet they got the promotion, yet look at their life. God, why can't I get what I deserve? You see the flaw here. Why can't I get what I deserve? Why can't they get what they truly deserve? They don't work as hard as me. They don't do the things that I do. Do you really want what you deserve? (laughs) Is the question. Is that, you can see the flaw in the logic and flaw in the thinking when we say, God, give me what I deserve. He's saying, you 
don't really want that. You don't want what you deserve. In fact, if we get to that point, I would say we're not truly understanding the grace of God. We're not truly understanding what he saves us from. So what is grace? I was studying scripture and I came across a really profound example of what God's grace looks like. Sometimes we put a punctuation mark, a period, where God wants to continue the sentence. Let me give you an example. Sometimes we want to end our story, but God wants to say, I have more for you. You might say, I'm imperfect, God. Sentence closed, period. But God wants to tell you today, you are imperfect, but my grace is sufficient for you. He wants to continue that story. He wants to continue that sentence. You might say, I'm weak, period, closed sentence. But God says, you are weak, comma, but my strength is made perfect in your weakness. We might say, I'm a sinner, period. God says, you are a sinner, comma, but my grace abounds much more. In fact, Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So what is grace? Where we have put a period, God puts a comma. You may be imperfect. You may have messed up in the past. You may think that God's grace doesn't extend as far as your mistakes, but I'm here to tell you, the story's not over. The story is not over. Do not punctuate the story of your life the wrong way. God says, I'm not done with you yet. He says, you may have sinned, but my grace is sufficient. All have sinned, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's more to the story. There's more to your story. And how does the story continue? You see in the scripture that your story continues, not because you're continuing the story, but because God's grace is extended to you. It's not because of what you've done, but it's because of what he's done. It's not with your own power that you're forgiven, it's because of his power. And so when we sing this song, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, here's the prayer for you today. I'm going to tell you it's a, it's a prayer of repentance, but it's also a prayer of gratitude. Because when you repent, God, I'm sorry. I went too far. I got off track. I've messed up. I've messed up too many times. It's a, it's a story of repentance but it's also a story of God's goodness with God saying, it's okay, my child, it's okay, my son, it's okay, my daughter, my grace is sufficient for you.